0: Welcome to you. This is the Gold Standard Podcast on the Niners Nation Podcast Network. My name is Rob Stats Guerrera. And as always, the co-pilot on this ship is Levin Black.
1: Hey, if I'm a co-pilot, I'm the Jerry Rice of co-pilots.
0: What? Okay, see, we're already <laughs> off the rail. What the hell does that mean? He's not the
1: quarterback. He's a co-pilot. Okay. I don't even know where to go with that. He's the GOAT. I'm just saying I'm I'm very confident in my abilities.
0: You know, in the rundown that we have here, I've typed that out, little intro, and then where you're supposed to speak, in parentheses, I just put, Levin says something condescending. That was hours before we even talked about today's show, and lo and behold, shocker, I was right. Uh, One quick thing before we start. Did you see that Joe Judge, the new head coach of the Giants, is making his coaches and players run after mistakes in practice?
1: (laughs) uh that that's gonna go over really well let's just say that that might be a team where assistant coaches jump at the chance to interview elsewhere
0: I'm saying like if that happened on the 49ers you'd have to worry about Robert Sala like beating you back to the to the team practice because that guy is in incredible shape
1: yeah but then you also got like Chris Korak I wouldn't be surprised if he like does the whole like throwing a stick in the spokes of solid just so you
0: can beat him back. <laughs> see now I'm kind of seeing the appeal. I'm not going to lie. I <laughs> think the 49ers <laughs> would tweet that out. Like, Hey, check out this altercation.
1: <laughs> Wouldn't you love to see those two guys like go head to head just oh, square yeah. off
0: <laughs> Oklahoma drill.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oklahoma drill.
0: I just, I had to sneak that in before we started. Robert Sala is a frightening specimen. I'm just going to say that. (laughs) Coming up in this episode, a couple of things we want to get to. Expectations for Jimmy Garoppolo in 2020. I know you want to weigh in on that, Levin. And you have this crazy idea about Brandon Ayuk already being better than Debo Samuel. And I can't wait to just eviscerate you on this. But we're going to get to that. And then last thing, the 49ers did make a little bit of minor news signing Jerome Brown, the wide receiver, and Heronis. Grasu, Yes, that was difficult. Uh, When I want to answer the question with you, what is the bigger worry right now? Wide receiver or offensive line? So let's start with Jimmy Garoppolo. Kyle Shanahan said something earlier this week that as I was listening to the press conference, I said, oh, I have to grab this cut because I want to play this for 11 because it really surprised me what he said. What is the narrative about Jimmy Garoppolo that we've heard all offseason? Second full year as a starter. In Kyle Shanahan's system, he's going to make a big jump because that's what everybody does, right? He's going to have the whole off-season to study and learn the system. Well, here's Kyle Shanahan earlier this week talking about exactly that. Jimmy knows the offense as well as he ever will. I mean, guys know it inside and out. It's about what you do best and what the guys around you do best. So it's not about having an off-season or him learning more and so you can do more. It's about what we all do the best. When you hear that, Levin, what do you think?
1: then maybe Shanahan has realized that he should change just a little bit his play calling to u- utilize Garoppolo's assets, the things he's best at, more often. Maybe you know it, his passing game has always been predicated on having that intermediate route to deep route that opens up things. Maybe he's going to call a little bit less of that and try to get more screens worked in, more shorter passing, that is what Garoppolo excels at because he, he's got an incredibly quick release. He is a relatively, I would say, in the, well, oh, towards the top five in terms of his ability to read a defense quickly. Those are his strengths, uh, not necessarily the deep ball. Even though I don't think it's as, as big of a weakness as it seems, the Niners haven't exactly had a great deep uh, receiver at this point since he's been here with the way that Goodwin fell off. But I would take it as Shanahan realizes that he can't just say, this is my system, play to it. He's going to make some changes and say, here's my system, and here's some plays for you as well.
0: Yeah, I think he's trying to lower the expectations, frankly. I think he's he knows now that this is who Jimmy is. I think he thinks that there is not going to be any big, giant jump, that what we saw last year is what we can expect going forward. So I wanted to ask you. Let's just say for the sake of argument, Jimmy Garoppolo has the exact same year statistically that he had in 2019. I'm not talking about team success or playoff wins or anything like that, just purely on the numbers. If he has an exact repeat of what we saw last year, is Kyle Shanahan happy with that? that,
1: that, That's hard to say with with Shanahan, I don't think he's ever happy. So especially with his quarterback, (laughs) you know, he's extremely critical of his quarterback no matter who they are. Uh, he doesn't like to hear others talk bad about his quarterbacks, but then he will obviously tear down his quarterbacks, uh, sometimes publicly, but you know, you see how he defends like somebody like CJ Beathard. He, he doesn't like to have other people say that his quarterbacks are bad, but he likes to say, Hey, they're not that great at the same time.
0: Would you be happy with the repeat of the season we saw from Jimmy G?
1: I, I would be happy enough. Put it that way. I'd be happy enough to say Jimmy is still the quarterback of this team. The team doesn't need to go out looking for an upgrade or drafting a quarterback early or any of that. Uh, But at the same time, it it, it would be a disappointment if he still made those really bad critical interceptions that you're left wondering what the heck was he seeing? Because that's really his one huge negative is about once a game, he will have one pass and you go, what the heck was that?
0: <laughs> so earlier you said his strength was seeing the defense and making decisions quickly. How can he have that as a strength, but also the what the hell are you doing throw every game?
1: Because you can be great at something 99% of the time. If that 1% is so bad, that's what you get. I think he <laughs> is really good at reading a defense. He's very quick at it, but he's also, he he has a lot of confidence, put it that way. And sometimes he thinks he sees something that he can fit the ball into, and he didn't give it enough time to develop to see what the defense was truly doing, because he was so quick to get rid of the ball. And that's one of the things that if you want to talk about second year coming back from injury, especially a knee injury, I'm curious to see if that is something that changes in him that will lead to less interceptions. It could have been that he felt he needed to get the ball out so quick, in part because he had a knee that he wasn't 100% confident in last year, and he didn't want to get hit in it. At the same time, it could also have been that the offensive line was not very good last year. He, he There was only six quarterbacks that got less time to throw than him last year.
0: And that's something too that I want to see Garoppolo do a lot more. I want to see more scrambling behind the line of scrimmage, more evading the rush. I feel like he didn't do a lot of that last year. And when he was first with the 49ers, I thought it was something that he was actually very good at. He really reminded me of Tony Romo a lot, the way he sort of scrambled around and, and moved behind the line of scrimmage. Do you think we'll see more of that from him this year? I think we'll see
1: more of him maybe moving in the pocket. I'm not convinced that we'll see more true scrambling because it's- That's how he got injured, and we know from things that Shanahan has said he's not a big fan of it. He would much rather the quarterback go down, have no risk of taking a hit or any injury because he's confident in his ability to find the right play to get that third and 10 instead of a third and six if the quarterback scrambles and takes a hit.
0: Now, you mentioned the offensive line being a key factor, and obviously it is. Another factor is clearly the weapons around Jimmy Garoppolo, and he's going to get a couple back, we hope, so far so good, but we'll see. And those would be running back Jarek McKinnon, who hasn't played in two years because of knee injuries and, and complications from those, and Trent Taylor, who looked great with Garoppolo at times, but missed all of last season, recovering from injuries as well. Who do you think helps Garoppolo more? Jarek mckinnon or trent taylor
1: i feel like most people would want to say trent taylor just because he's won a wide receiver two he was a favorite target of garoppolo but i will actually say jet mckinnon Jarek mckinnon and i think it's because if you factor in if he's back for real his ability to be a threat running as well as passing will open up avenues for jimmy garoppolo to make better pass. It doesn't necessarily mean it's going to go to McKinnon, but I think his threat out of the backfield will open things up for Garoppolo more. Him coming out of the backfield will have to be accounted for. And like, say we're playing Seattle, Seattle will have to choose whether Wagner covers McKinnon or covers Kittle. They got to make a choice because McKinnon is a true receiving option. He's not just a dump off. He's somebody that can actually run routes.
0: Yeah, I think we're going to see a lot more option routes, too, this year. I mean, between McKinnon and Kittle and Taylor, if you can have those three guys all running option routes, God help you if you're in man coverage, because I feel like there's no way you're going to be able to cover all three. And you got to throw Jordan Reed in there, too. I mean, a two-tight end wow. set with McKinnon
1: sitting back there, with Jordan Reed and Kittle being the tight ends, I mean, that that's a really tough thing to cover for a defense Cause you got your linebackers are going to have to cover somebody there. And there's not many linebackers in the league that can cover
0: any of those three. If Jordan Reed can play though. And that's the, the troubling thing with him is one, his injury history, but it's not just an injury history. It's a concussion history. I think he has seven concussions already in his career. I mean, that could literally happen any snap. He doesn't even have to be a play where Reed catches the ball. Do you really think you can count on him to play 16 games?
1: Can you count on McKinnon? Can you count on Trent Taylor? I mean, that's the big question mark with this offense and the receivers in particular is who can you count on to stay healthy because so many of them have been injured and have an injury history and you've already seen somebody like Jalen Hurd go down. So you're already running out of numbers, so to speak. I think they're good right now with the numbers. I think they have enough receiving options to be just fine. But if another guy or two goes down, they're going to be in a world of hurt. And that's why they're bringing in so many people.
0: Yeah, it's incredible the amount of people they've signed already. I mean, if you had asked me last year about the Niners receivers in 2020, I certainly wasn't going to mention J.J. Nelson and Tavon Austin. But here we are. I mean, I could legitimately see Tavon Austin making the roster to start the year.
1: And some of this, in all honesty, might be COVID related. They might have decided, hey, we could have somebody get sick from our receiver group, it's more likely to have our depth impacted at that position than before, just because you could have a COVID related having to sit out for a couple of weeks. And on top of that, it's a complicated system. So I think part of this is they wanted to bring in vets that they at least knew who they were, knew what they would be able to get out of them and get them in so that they could start learning the system in case they need them in the future because they could release them and, in all likelihood, be able to get them back.
0: Let's keep the wide receiver conversation going, but I want to focus on a rookie. That would be first-year player, Brandon Ayuk, because the reviews have been incredible on Ayuk so far in camp, and you have this crazy idea that Brandon Ayuk could already be better than Devo Samuel. So apparently, when we come back, we're going to go to crazy town because I have to hear you explain yourself. Okay, Levin, here we go. You and I talk throughout the week. We exchange text messages, things going on with the 49ers. All of a sudden, like two days ago, I got a text from you <laughs> that says, I think Brandon Ayuk could already be the best receiver on the 49ers. And then you wouldn't tell me why because you wanted to save it for the pod. So here's your opportunity. <laughs> Mayor of Crazy Town, Levin Black, please tell me how after four practices, Brandon Ayuk is better than Debo Samuel.
1: Well, the key word there is could. I think there there is a possibility that he is already better simply because he has a higher ceiling. I mean, we knew that coming in from Debo Samuel. He was somebody that had a a high floor, but a little bit lower of a ceiling for a guy drafted that highly. He doesn't have breakaway speed. He's not going to be a burner that can take the top off a of defense. Everybody knew that about Debo, Debo Samuel coming in. They knew he was going to be a guy that's great in screens, Great on slants, great on outs, all the shorter to a little bit of the intermediate routes. Brandon Ayuk is different. He's somebody that can do it all. He was incredibly elusive in college. He averaged 10.6 yards after the catch his last year at Arizona State in a pro-style offense. You know, Herm Edwards is the coach over there at Arizona State. And on top of that, you got somebody that has the speed to take the top off of the defense. I know his 40 Your dash time wasn't that impressive at 4.5 seconds, but he was supposedly not 100% healthy when he ran that. And if you take the defensive players for the Niners at what they're saying, they're saying he is an absolute burner. He has so much more speed than that 4.5 says. So he could, in reality, be a guy that could run a 4.35, 40. And what would be – what would the – fans and and media be thinking of him as a potential receiver if he ran a 4-3-5 that changes the whole story instead of this guy that has the body and has elusiveness who could be decent at the deep ball it'd be a guy that has all of that but he's definitely a deep ball threat
0: and I think he suffers a little bit too from the fact that that wide receiver class this year was so loaded there were so many receivers was it five or six that were taken in the first round this year And and no one was even really talking about him when they were mentioning those guys. So I think he kind of suffered from that a little bit. But I just – four practices, Levin. It's been four (laughs) practices. Like, come on. I mean, half the passes he's catching are on air, right?
1: Right. I mean, yeah. I didn't say he is definitely 100% better. Nobody knows that. Nobody. Kyle Shanahan doesn't know that. But I think there is a good enough possibility that he is better – to say that it's possible because he, like I said, has a higher ceiling and Shanahan, we know he's not really somebody that praises offensive skill players all that much. You know, you, you could point to Dante Pettis, for example, he has routinely tried to criticize him to the media. He has been raving about Brandon Ayuk. He said he's much further along than most rookies. And I tweeted out of a, a video from the draft when Ayuk was taken, and it was Kyle Shanahan raising his arms up and pumping the air because he was so excited. For Shanahan to do that, he knows he was getting something special for his system.
0: Yeah, especially because he knew he was on camera too. Like, you know, given that draft setup, I feel like he wouldn't have done that unless he was super excited because he knew he was on camera. So I, that is a good point. Here's my question too. If Shanahan is so good at finding wide receivers, what happened on the Dante Pettis pick? Like, if, if Shanahan is good at identifying receivers and knows what he wants and all that, they took Dante Pettis in the second round, and the guy's been a ghost. The only reason he's even seen the field this year is because they've had three receivers go down. Well, I think
1: it's hard to say for sure, being somebody you know, watching the games on TV, not being on the sidelines in the practices every day. But I think there's been enough said and enough evidence out there that you can read between the lines of what happened. Dante Pettis, last training camp, Richard Sherman was saying he has true number one talent, but he's not consistent enough. You had Kyle Shanahan criticizing that he didn't get enough strength in the offseason like they wanted, that he wasn't being consistent enough. You know That was a big thing that everybody kept mentioning. He wasn't consistent. He wasn't consistent. It certainly seems like Dante Pettis did not come in prepared last year. He came in not in football shape, didn't have the strength that, that everybody felt he needed to be effective in the NFL. And this year could be different. I mean, you that's part of the reading between the lines is this year there have been reports and there have been teammates saying he's in better shape this year. He's better prepared. So I think what happened with Dante Pettis wasn't that Shanahan didn't get a guy that's capable of being great. He just got a guy that took his career for granted.
0: I I don't understand how that happens, right? You're you're a football player. You you play your whole life. You go to college football. You bust your to get in shape and play as good as you can play and you fight. And then you get drafted, right? And you get to the NFL and then you're fighting to become a starter. You do all that stuff. You work so hard. You go through all that pain. I mean, do people realize how much just it hurts to train and play football? And then you have a good season and you go into the off season and you do nothing. Like you, like, I don't understand how you suddenly put the brakes on when you're really just at the beginning of a potential rise to stardom.
1: You see it in all walks of life. People work so hard for something, and the moment that they feel like they got it, there's almost a sense of relief, like, hey, I finally arrived, and they relax. Now, some people realize they can't do that, especially in a field that's highly competitive like the NFL where your career can be over right then then and now if you get a bad rep. You know, If, if the Niners had released Dante Pettis last year and just talked about it openly in the media that he he wasn't motivated – he wasn't in shape, you know, whatever, and just basically, you know, threw him under the bus. Would he have gotten another shot? Yeah, somebody probably would have brought him in for a workout, but they wouldn't have committed a contract to him, and his career could have been over because, especially for a position like wide receiver, it's really hard to break into a team. The team has to truly value you because it's hard to show what you can do in practice and just a workout because there's so many athletes out there that can look good in a workout.
0: So you think he put the brakes on? He got complacent.
1: Yes, I think he thought he had arrived because everybody was praising, oh, he's going to be our number one next year. And we saw that as well the previous year with Witherspoon on the defensive side. Everybody said, hey, he was great. He's going to be the starter over there. He's going to really lock it down. The Niners are going to be great in the secondary. And he came in and he wasn't prepared. And he's openly admitted that, that he took some things for granted. Sherman has talked about that and said that about him, that he, you know, kind of got complacent a little bit he he was not as prepared as he should have been it it happens some something it's just how some people are and I they can recover from it I mean Witherspoon was having a phenomenal season last year prior to the injury and you got to wonder how much that truly derailed him and whether he was ever fully back from that
0: maybe Pettis finally rebounds this year but isn't that what Sherman is supposed to prevent. Isn't Sherman like this great leader in the locker room that's taking all these guys under his wing and doing this, that, and the other? Isn't he the presence that's supposed to prevent a young player like Akella Witherspoon from backsliding in the off season? You can lead a horse to water. Can't make it drink. I mean, (laughs)
1: there's only so much at a certain point. Sherman can tell them, hey, this is what it's like. This is what it's going to take. And Not everybody's going to listen to that. It's just the nature of it. And like I said, you see that in all walks of life. You can have somebody that's the best in their field and he takes somebody under the wing and tries to teach him and the person doesn't listen.
0: Who do you think is that guy on the offense? Because I don't think it's Jimmy Garoppolo, to be honest with you. Like, George Kittle jokes all the time about how he doesn't text back or whatever. But I think there's a little grain of truth to that. I I don't see Jimmy as that guy that's hitting guys up in the offseason like, hey, what are you doing? Are you working on this? Or I saw this. This could be good next year. Who is that guy on the offense that's doing that?
1: That's a good question. I would say it was probably Joe Staley, but he's gone now. So I don't know Mm -hmm. who it is at this point. It could end up being Kittle. I mean, Kittle certainly seems to be somebody that really wants to keep the team together. And you see that, you know, he responds to teammates' tweets on Twitter pretty consistently and things like that, that could very well be him. But right now, I would say that is a void that probably needs filled. And it's either going to be Kittle or, you know, Garoppolo might need to step up here. But I think to a certain degree, he had an example of a guy that. Uh, he sat behind for a long time. That when the season was over, he had a life, and he was a celebrity outside of football. And he lived that life. Oh that, no,
0: I disagree.
1: I think I think there's something to be said there that Garoppolo learned from Brady that hey, when the season is over, you got a life outside of football. You you know that's the time for family and all that. You need to disconnect a little bit. That doesn't mean Brady wasn't preparing. That doesn't mean Garoppolo wasn't preparing. It doesn't mean that they weren't practicing keeping themselves in tip-top shape. I mean, we all know Tom Brady, TB12, all all that stuff, but they did disconnect. I mean, you had all those viral things from Tom Brady every off season going down to Rio, things like that, where he lived his life and was a bit of a celebrity and played into that a little bit, but then was ready for the season. I think Garoppolo, uh, I don't know if it's just part of who he is or if he's learned from that example that when the season's over, disconnect a little bit, you're, your teammates shouldn't be everything in life. That football I will think, end at some point. You gotta I think have him
0: he is that guy. I think I think Brady is texting people in the offseason. I mean, you saw him this offseason when he goes to Tampa Bay. He's showing up at Byron Leftwich's house with a bag of footballs, like ready to go in the middle of a pandemic. <laughs> I think Brady it was that guy and and would get on people. Um, I, I definitely don't see it from Jimmy. That, Staley there, that's a good guess by you, because I, I could definitely see him as that guy, especially with the experience of winning and getting to a Super Bowl. He knew what it took. So if that is gone, I, I hope that George Kittle steps up. By the way, one thing I want to give you credit for, Levin, because you said this last week and you were a thousand percent right. And I it kept coming up during the week. And every time I was like, I have to give Levin credit for this. We were talking about Javon Kinlaw, because there's been a lot of praise for him so far in camp, too. And what did you say about Javon Kinlaw and all the praise?
1: That it's all about how big he is. It's not actually about how good he is, which doesn't mean he's not going to be great, but it's not about technique. It's not about how advanced he is. It's, Hey, this
0: dude's really big. And all week, that's all we heard. Oh my God. Javon Kinlaw. He looks good. Oh really? What's he doing? He's the biggest human being I've ever seen. DeForest Buckner is bigger than Javon Kinlaw. DeForest Buckner is like six, eight. Javon Kinlaw is six, five. Kinlaw has got a little more weight to him, but like, I don't understand this when apparently whenever you talk about Javon Kinnell, you have to talk about his physical dimensions and nothing else can be said. Well,
1: there's something to be said that football players are very large human beings, especially offensive linemen, defensive linemen. And when you get somebody amongst that group on a team that is clearly so much bigger than all the others, you get noticed whether it doesn't matter how, in what way you're bigger? I mean, I don't think Kinlaw's bigger because he's got a lot of extra uh, fat, to put it. You know, he's not a Gilbert Brown, to make an older reference. Solid. He's just solid, like you just said. He is a brick of a of a dude, and it's a much bigger brick than any others.
0: There are two people, two former players that I saw in person that like physically frightened me when I was at ESPN. <laughs> it's the only way I can describe it. The first was Jason Taylor, who is just he's like 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six. he's absolutely shredded. Like he's not a big like thick guy at all. He's cut. His muscles are incredible. And I was like, how is this guy this big and this cut up? It terrified me. And the other guy is a little less surprising, but that's Jerome Bettis. Like they call this guy the bus f- for a reason. His upper body I've never seen a human being shaped like that. It was like a piece of toast with legs. It's the best way I could like, it was literally square like that. And he's just huge. I, I saw him and I was like, how did anyone ever tackle this guy?
1: Well, some didn't some got bounced, but
0: <laughs> it's true. <laughs> People had a lot of trouble. All right. One more thing I want to get to before we go the 49ers made a couple of minor moves. They brought in Jerome Brown, former Seahawks wide receiver. I never liked that, by the way. Keep the former Seahawks off the team, please. And uh, with Weston Richburg going to start the year on the physically unable to perform list. Ben Garland got banged up. So the team, like we said earlier, is going to sign Hironis Grasu. What unit worries you more, Levin? The wide receivers or the offensive line?
1: Right now, it has to be the offensive line. That could change, like like I mentioned earlier. The wide receiver group has already lost one. If they lose an, another guy, you know, with Debo also coming back, that becomes a major issue real real soon. But I think they have a lot of quality depth there. The offensive line, there's changes galore there. You still have Trent Williams coming in, while I don't think there's too much concern there. He did have a year off of football, so there, there, there's a little bit of concern there. And then you got you know Daniel Brunskill is going to be starting for the first time. Is he going to be starting at center with Richburg out? Certainly seems like he could be, or he's going to be going to guard. There's an unknown there. And the rest of the guys on the offensive line, to be quite frank, aren't all pros. They're not pro bowlers. They're average to above average players. You know, McGlinchey has not taken that step into pro bowl caliber, uh, caliber, can't say the word, but you know what I mean. (laughs) Right tackle. (laughs) Uh, Tomlinson is – He is what he is. He's a quality enough to be starting left guard. You know, he's not going to be great. He's not going to destroy your game plan either. So they don't have enough slack to pick up the pieces there if they lose somebody else. I mean, really, they're at that point where they're already got some question marks, and if one more guy goes down amongst the starters, they're in a world of hurt because they're going to have a massive – hole in their offensive line
0: yeah that really does worry me uh you know this isn't a big secret but the offensive line is so critical to every single thing you do on offense if you have holes there it affects everything you know if you can't run the ball well well you put the ball in your hands of your quarterback and maybe you have to throw 45 times to win a game a particular week but when the offensive line is the problem you can't do anything and as good a, a schemer as Kyle Shanahan is you still need time to, to execute these plays. You still need guys to block when you're having Debo come on the end around or Yushchek do some crazy thing out of the backfield. If that's if that's going to be an issue all year, the Niners are in trouble because that doesn't get any better. And, and there's not like there's eight guys out on the street that they could go sign and bring in. I think they even reached out to Daniel Kilgore, former Niner. There's a Niner name for you back in the day. So I it's I don't want to say the word desperate right now, but I'm definitely worried.
1: Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. Not desperate but worried. I mean, they're they're at that kind of precipice of having a major problem.
0: Well, I think that's going to do it, Lev, unless you have anything else you want to add. No, I'm
1: just like I said, I'm Jerry Rice over here.
0: Yeah, you're Jerry Rice. <laughs> Who says themselves that they are Jerry Rice? Like what you're like (laughs) Freddie Mitchell over here. Oh, really? Freddie Mitchell. Jerry Rice. But you're really just the guy (laughs) thanking his hands after he makes an incredible catch in a playoff game.
1: I mean, you you should be complimented. That makes you what? Either Joe Montana, Steve Young, or maybe your late career Jeff Garcia?
0: I could, you know, realistically, I'm probably a late career Jeff Garcia, but I'm okay with that. Jeff Garcia has the most passing yards any 49er quarterback has ever thrown in a single season, which could very well change after this season. Yes, it could. I suppose that's true. (laughs) But then I would just be late career Jeff Garcia with the second most passing yards of any for that. Like (laughs) now you're really knocking me down. Thanks for that. Uh, You can always hit us up on Twitter on our new podcast account for all the Niners Nation podcasts. It's at NN Podcast. That's the home for everything. Or you can hit me up at Stats on Fire. Levin will argue with you. Ten responses deep, apparently, at the DA Sports Bum. Please like and subscribe to the podcast. Feel free to leave us a review. Good, bad, whatever. If it's bad, we'll try and be better.